Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Welcome, everybody. For the 20th time, welcome. I'm just glad that you're here. All right, we are having Nugget Night. And we thought, what a better way to celebrate Nugget Night than to have some of our leaders share some nuggets of wisdom. Ooh, right? Get it? Come on. No, come on. That was a better pun slash like joke than, okay, well, here we go. Thank you. All right, so on the screen, you will see a very big QR code. Couldn't miss it if you wanted to. That will take you to a link that will let you submit a question via your phone if you would like. We've already had a lot of students submit some questions throughout the week. I'm super glad, super thankful that you did that. Um, I want to take some time to introduce to you the panel. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. They're going to share their name, how long they've been serving in Citizens, and their favorite type of chicken nugget, or their favorite, where your favorite nugget is from. So I'll go first. I'm Noah. I've been at Citizens for 2.7 years, and my favorite nugget is probably from Wendy's. I'd have to say, the Wendy's chicken nugget is pretty unbeatable. Nice. My name is Salomia. Uh, you're so sweet. <laughs> no, um, I've been here for a year, uh, serving citizens, and uh, my favorite chicken nugget is Chick-fil-A. My name is Jocelyn, and I love you guys. I've also been here for two point, are we saying 2.7? Something like that, you guys know. Um, and my favorite chicken nugget are the dino nuggets. Yes. I am Hillary Ireland. I have been serving for five years, and my favorite nuggets are the spicy nuggets from Wendy's. Hello, my name is, is this working? Yeah. That's not my name. My name's actually Tim Lopez. Woo! And I've been, I'm not done talking, guys. Okay, thank you. Uh, I don't know, three and a half years-ish since I've joined uh, Citizens. And uh, my favorite nugs are Mickey D's. Man, okay, my name's Paul. Um, let's go! Those are um, my boys, 11th grade boys. Um, I've been in part of Citizens for, I guess, four years. Um, my favorite nuggets, I don't know, you guys confused me with all your answers because they're all so good, but I'm going to side with Tim here because there's some, this is a personal thing, but I actually like to peel the nugget crustiness off of the McDonald's nugget and then just eat the skin. Anybody else? Just me. Okay. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. That's probably just you, I'd say. Yeah. Not bad, just different. Just, yeah, that's right. All right. I know and that was the most important question of the night, but uh, should we get to a few other ones? Here's what we're going to do. Um, we are just, um, we're going to give you all we can. Um, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to share everything that we've learned and what God shared with us. Um, but there might be some topics in here that we touched that you're like, man, I need, to, I need to hear more about that. And we only get to talk about it for five minutes. Um, that's what we're here for throughout the year and throughout the years that you come here and that you're here at Citizens Youth. And so if there's anything that you uh, hear tonight, that there's a question that comes up, um, please come talk to us. Come talk to any of your leaders. And um, all right, let's get started here, shall we? Thank you. I've seen a lot of, ooh, I see a lot of questions coming in right now. That's amazing. All right, I thought we'd start with this one. Um, this is from a student. They said this, how can we learn to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ? And in parentheses, they put practically learn. Uh, how can we learn to take our thoughts captive? Great question. From Ephesians, take every thought captive. What do we think? Uh, taking every thought captive is a, a lifelong skill to learn. It is not easy. 
Uh, ultimately, it takes practice, but it's a really, really critical skill to learn at your age and to continue to practice your entire life. So um, practically, what I think this means is that you, uh, you do not get bossed around by your thoughts. You are the boss of your thoughts. And you uh, always um, tell them to uh, be aligned with what Christ says about what is true. And so, uh, you know, you can't always control what every thought that comes into your head. Some of it is, is lies. Some of it is filth. Uh, some of it uh, is evil or just selfish. And so you have to put it all through a filter, and that filter is God's word. And you have to say, uh, I have to question it and say, is that true? Does that align with, with God's values and God's word and the truth in there? And if not, you say, that's not true. And I think you actually need to often say it out loud um, and, or write it down. It's helpful to actually like repeat whatever that thought came into your head was. And, and that allows you to like question it and think of it objectively. Sometimes it changes how you feel if you just let it stay in your head and then your feelings start bossing you around too. So get it out and you say, you know, is it actually a good idea to steal that or lie in this situation or to, you know, do that on my phone or computer? Is that a good idea? And then you, as soon as you say it out loud, you often go, no, that's kind of a stupid idea. That'll actually make me more stressed than I feel right now. So that's not a good solution. And then you pair that often with a, a Bible verse or some sort of truth. You say, this is what my mind is saying, but God's word or truth says this. And you say that out loud or write it down. And, and you just have to practice for again and again and again and again um, until you actually uh, find success doing that. So that's what I would say. Kind of um, piggybacking on that, a good verse um, just talking about replacing those thoughts with scripture. Um, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, um, sorry, hold on, whatever is commendable, um, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything um, worthy of praise, think on these things. So just um, replacing your thoughts and just constantly just asking yourself, is this true? Is it honorable? Is it worthy? Is it those things? Um, and if it's not, then you let them go. Um, for me, like a lot of my negative thoughts tend to be about myself. So negative talk, right? Um, and so f for me, I, I think about, I flip it and I say, well, what would, what does Jesus think about me? And so when he, when I think about what he thinks about, when he thinks about me, is that I'm loved and I am enough and it doesn't matter, you know, my thoughts say you suck, um, but God says, no, you don't. I created you, you're created with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, and your life has meaning. So um, that's how I shut those things out with God's truth. It's all just reiterating God's truth in our lives, the fact that we are um, seen through God's eyes as like Jesus, he sees Jesus when he sees us and we're loved, right? So that's, for me, that's how I defeat that negative talk um, <laughs> every day. Yeah, and I, I mean, piggybacking, um, just the, the power that truth has. From a young age, like teen years, I dealt with intrusive thoughts, and a lot of it was around the existence of God. And I was just constantly trying to like convince myself in my mind that God exists. Um, but what really changed for me was to um, come at it with truth and start to study even rationally, God and his existence, like apologetics really helped me to understand um, why I believe in God. And then um, meditate, meditating on that truth, um, yeah, it wasn't like a, um, a struggle anymore to with that doubt. It was like, no, I, now I actually know what truth is versus focusing on the intrusive thought to focus and help myself um, understand what is actually true. Nice. Um, do you want to say something? No. Oh, I'm not gonna say anything. I that was. I think that was really well thought out. Knowing that thoughts, um, you're in control. So there are. We are in control 
of what we allow ourselves to believe. We're not always in control of like the thoughts that emulate in our mind. It gets a little interesting when you think about spiritual warfare and just like our consciousness. Like you're not always in control of what you see. Like if you're walking down the street or like someone's talking to you, you're not always in control of that, but you can actively control um, the thoughts that um, are in your head and you're able to control where to go from there. Um, so yeah, I think that was really well said. And um, okay, so this was a good question, um, kind of on a different subject, but it says, how can we learn to not idolize people who we love? Which I think is a really interesting question. How can we learn to not idolize people who we love? Because obviously there's a lot of people that we care about and look up to, many of them may be on the stage who are your leaders, who are awesome. Um, but what, when is the point where we are maybe putting them in a position that they shouldn't have, which is like a position of God or someone that we're really trying to win their approval of? Um, so yeah, how can we learn not to those people that we love? Um, this is something that I have actually thought about quite often because I was evaluating the things in my life that did captivate my thoughts the most. And a lot of the time, one of those things is definitely my family. And um, I love my family so much. I've got a relationship with them. And um, being far away from them, I think about them definitely all the time. And um, I was starting to kind of assess like, okay, is this a good thing actually? Because is this now sitting in a spot that is greater than my thoughts that I think of the Lord? Is this something that is captivating more of my thoughts than my time with the Lord? And also understanding that there are things that we can hold in our life that are good things and we can love good things, but ultimately the thing that needs to be the primary love of our life has to be Jesus. And so kind of assessing that for my own life personally, I was like, okay, I can still love my family, but at the end of the day, my sacrifice daily needs to be for the Lord. My thoughts daily need to be captivated by the Lord and glorifying Him and time spent in the Word. And um, overall, that's the purpose of my life, is to serve Him and to glorify Him. And um, yeah, it's been, I wouldn't say it's always an easy thing, but always to just reassess my thoughts of like whatever it is that I love or the person that I love and look at like whether or not they're sitting at the throne of my life or is Jesus at the throne of my life and just balancing that between the two. I think another thing to consider with this, um, this is something that I personally struggle with too, is just um, not always knowing the place of family or people that I care really deeply about. And I think um, kind of flipping that, totally agree completely with what Jocelyn said, but also um, that's putting a lot of pressure on the people that you love. Um, and unfortunately, like they're human and they're gonna fail you. And if you have them on the pedestal, that's gonna hurt a lot more if you put them in a position where they're not supposed to be. Um, God is ultimately the only one who is not gonna fail you. And um, to put someone in that high place, um, that's pretty tough for you and for them because eventually that is gonna come crashing down at some point, whether that be then disappoint you or they do something to hurt you or even they're not in your life um, any longer for a reason, that's gonna really be harmful to you. Um, so just kind of evaluating that as well and just remembering that God is the ultimate one who um, is faithful and he's never gonna fail you. Um, and just remembering that he's the one that belongs on that throne of your life. I think um, we're really good at worship. Uh, and I, I don't mean that like our youth group or the church, I mean humans are designed to worship. We are designed to look up to something and, and want more and desire more. And so I think if we're not careful and we don't put God, like you guys are saying, on the throne, then um, nature abhors a vacuum. So something will take its place. And so if, if we're not careful, because we are designed to worship, um, we easily let little things become what we worship instead of the great thing, God, um, ultimately being who we should worship. And so if we're not careful, we let those other things fill a vacuum um, that God is meant to fill. 
So um, we have to be careful. We, we are great worshipers. Let's all mm. say that, right? We are great worshipers. We just choose bad gods yeah. instead of God. Big time. Yeah. yeah, I think remembering who the king is is the thing I'm thinking. Um, remember who Christ is and what he's done for you. And um, I think holding that in front of your face every single day as a Christian is necessary because it allows us to push out these little idols in our lives and we're like, Christ is king, Christ is king, Christ is king. It's not like something you put on a bumper sticker. It's a rallying cry to live your life by. And so when you do that, I think, I think that's the only way to oust those idols out. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting thing because God put pe good people in our lives for a reason. Um, and there's so much in the New Testament about the benefit of this. Um, but I think remembering who's on the throne and who um, rightfully belongs on the throne. So any other thoughts about that? Cool. All right, let's get to another one here. Um, okay, how do we walk with God and talk with him as a real relationship with affection? So I'm kind of reading into that a little bit. How do we, yeah, so how do we walk with God and talk with him as a real relationship with affection? I guess maybe a good way to put that is maybe I don't feel that affection with the Lord right now or maybe I don't feel that way. How can, how can I have a relationship like that? It's a good question. And go. Um, and go. Anyway. No, I just think, um, huh. first of all, I think these are really good questions. And I, I, oh, yeah. I think the important thing is, is that we're having these conversations and that you guys are willing to ask these difficult questions because we, we all, we're up here because we're walking this journey with you, trying to figure this out together. Um, and I guess when I think about a relationship with God, I think a bit like any other relationship um, in terms of how do you... <laughs> you know, have a conversation. You just start talking and things start flowing and naturally. And then God becomes this friend that like, that you long to talk to because you've been sharing so much. So I think it just starts like anything else in the other habit that you practice. You have to start small. Don't think you're going to have some like 20 hour prayer session with God. And that makes you a terrible person because you don't pray enough. Uh, you have to start those habits small um, and start with an attainable goal. Um, goals are really important for us in, um, in the way our brains work. And usually what I would say, I've told my guys this before, but if you um, have a habit that you already do, like brushing your teeth, hopefully you all brush your teeth, right? Raise your hand if you brush your teeth and shame all the other people. Uh, good. So you can attach a habit like prayer to brushing your teeth because you already brush your teeth. So as you're sitting there brushing your teeth or standing or whatever you're doing, sitting, um, it's weird to sit and brush your teeth if you do that, whatever. If, if you're, <laughs> the point is to attach it to a habit, to, to start something and just talk to God then. Process your day, just like you would with a friend. Just start talking about your day and honor that, um, offer that up to God in that small way. That's what I would start with. That's a good place to yeah. start, right? Just talk about your day. Big time. I think, yeah, I think prayer is so important in it. Um, I think for a long time, I used to watch other Christians and think like, what do they have that I don't have? Because I really want that like, relationship with Christ. Um, I, I think as a young person, I totally forgot to just ask God to be the one to give me that affection for him. <laughs> um, I think it's so, we have prayers that we don't want to pray. Um, we've got prayers where we're like, I don't want God to know that, even though he already knows. And I think one of those is like, I'm just like, God, I don't really... I don't really want anything to do with you right now. I don't really want anything to do with the Bible, um, but help me with that. And so I think like there's a great moment in the scriptures where Jesus is speaking with a man and the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. He's talking to Jesus. He says, help me, help me believe, help me have faith. Um, and so I think that the key here is to remember um, Christ is bigger than your doubts right? If that's the thing that you're worried about, that you don't have this passion for the Lord or zeal, first of all, I think this question would show that you're probably a little closer than you realized. Um, you're hungry to know the Lord, and that's the first step, which is good. Um, but yeah, ask, ask him for passion. Ask him for zeal. Ask him for a new passion for his word. Um, ask him to guide you every day. And so, yeah, I think I was scared to pray some of those prayers at first um, because I didn't know how God would answer them, maybe. Um, but yeah, be asking the Lord for those. 
that, that. Uh, I think all those things are, are excellent. Uh, I would add to them just that it, it uh, that the question about a personal relationship with God is, is about a variety of different spiritual disciplines, not just prayer, of course. And so prayer is a, a great way to talk to God, and there's listening in prayer too, but talking to God and listening would be uh, also reading scripture uh, and also uh, maybe just being silent before God and, and truly trying to, trying to just listen and be quiet. Uh, we don't do that super well. There's other spiritual disciplines. Journaling um, can be like almost writing out prayers to God or, or engaging with God as you do just journal about normal things or everyday things. Um, finding ways in which to, places in which to engage with God to do these things. Like, almost like, you know, talking and listening are two parts of a relationship. But then like doing things together is how I also build relationships with people, right? So like, what does it mean to do things with God? That maybe sound weird, but like, I have a hard time praying when I'm just like in my house or, or yeah, just in my house. I actually, like as soon as I walk outside my house into nature or where I see sky or hear birds or uh, there's trees around, walk on a trail, like all of a sudden it is like way easier for me to pray to God. And I feel this connectedness to God in nature that I don't often inside a building for some weird reason. I bet that's some of you, probably not all of you, uh, but some of you probably feel that same way. And so find ways in which you were designed to connect with God, um, and that might look like more meditation or solitude or silence or worship. If you're really musical, use your musical instruments to sing worship songs, and that's in a, in a way that will build your affections for the Lord. Um, but a whole, it's almost like you need this whole mix of spiritual disciplines. Like there's a whole menu out there of things, to, ways to connect with God. And, and prayer and scripture are definitely part of it always. But um, it could be more creative than that sometimes. Um, and that may help you build your affections for him. Yeah. I think those are really, really good answers. Um, there's a question that has been popping up in a lot of different ways, um, and we got it a little bit earlier, but um, we'll summarize it with this one question. How do we deal with anxiety and depression as Christians? Um, and so a lot of questions about both of those, depression and anxiety, throughout these questions that are coming in. Um, so first of all, no, you're not alone in some of these things. I'm seeing a few questions come in about that. Um, and I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, um, kind of inadvertently, about taking every thought captive. Um, I think that there's this really powerful thing that happens. So first of all, no, you're not alone in feeling that way. Um, depression in, like, you know, feeling like nothing, it, nothing matters, nothing is um, purposeful, nothing, my life doesn't matter. Anxiety being like a heightened state of fear. Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, um, you're not alone in feeling those things. Um, you're not a bad Christian because you feel those things. You're not less spiritual because you feel those things. So first of all, if anyone's ever told you those things, just like eat those out of your mind because that's not true. Um, I think there's this really crazy thing that happens in the Garden of Eden in the story um, where Adam and Eve sin and they hide from God and God's walking in the garden and there's this crazy question and he's like, why, why are you hiding? And they said, we hid because we were naked. They're ashamed. They've sinned. And God says, who told you that you're naked? And I think we kind of just like read that and we glance over it. But he's implying someone's deceived you. Someone told you something that isn't true. And I think we have to think that when we have thoughts of anxiety or depression. Who told you that? Um, and I hear God's voice in my head sometimes when I am experiencing moments of depression or anxiety. Um, who, who told you that? Is that true? Right? Your life is purposeless. Is that true? Does the Bible say that that's true? No? Okay. Oh, I feel like everything, everything's crashing around me. I need to just give up. Right? Who told you that? And I think there's a very real um, spiritual reality that we all face. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Um, and I think we need to take those, I think the key really is taking those thoughts captive and replacing those, um, you know, I don't want to say replacing those thoughts. It's not as easy as just like stop thinking those things. And, but I do think that um, as we meditate on God's word, as we have truth readily available in front of us, 
um, having those, like the, the, the fearfully and wonderfully made passage, like it's a reason, there's a reason why it's quoted so much is because it's, it's so easy to say, it's a truth that so easily just bounces off our hard hearts sometimes, but God has created you fearfully and wonderfully, uh, meaning he's created you with a design and a purpose. So um, having thought, having scriptures like that to combat those lies is important and knowing where they come from. Um, yeah. As a person that, that struggles with uh, depression, um, I feel like one of the things that Noah's t that you touched on I think is really important is knowing that you're not alone. Um, and, and it's great. Um, the enemy wants us to live in isolation and wants to isolate, divide, and conquer. And so he doesn't want us, we feel like, oh, I can't tell anybody this because I'm a Christian, because I'm supposed to be strong, because I'm supposed to pray the depression away. And, that, and yet we still have it. And so I think one of the things we have to do is, you know, I, I, I tell Ben, Ben's my, my brother, like, that I work with here on, on Sundays. Um, my wife asks me about it. You know, it's having people in your life that you've told, this is my struggle. And when you acknowledge that, you might hear things like, wow, me too. And those are really powerful words to hear from somebody else. Especially when you're like, whoa, dude, like you're a super Christian. How, you struggle with this too? Yes. Like it's a real thing. And so when somebody says me too and we hear that and then, we, then you give that person permission, which is a hard thing for us to do, to say, hey, will you ask me about how I'm doing with this thing? That's accountability. Um, so um, I've given people, I have people in my life that I give that permission to. Um, and I can say, they can say, Paul, how are you doing with that? And a, a true friend asks, right? A true friend wants to hear how you're really doing. And a true friend will be like, you know, how's that going? And how can I help you? And some of that, just acknowledging that out loud, I think when we say that to each other and we say, you're okay and God's got you, those are prayers. Like, those are prayers. We might not be like eh, praying with our hands, but we are praying, we are acknowledging that victory through that conversation. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's honoring God and it, it, it changes us and it gives us hope and, and accountability is just a big part of that. And also exercise. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's kind of a physical thing. I think that we sometimes leave out yeah. of the spiritual talk is that like we have to, our bodies are meant, we need that, that like you said, going outside in nature, all of that helps us with our mental health. Too. You're, you're one person, like you're a human being. God made you with a body and a mind and right. a soul. So right. there's, it's, it's interesting. Like if you fill your body physically with things that are, you know, not good for you, like, yeah soda and chips and like staying not getting good healthy rhythms of rest like it affect it affects your it body totally it affects does. the way your mind works and right. i know you feel invincible as a kid like you could do all those things but um your body was made and there's a reason why god even in the old testament like regulates people's like yeah, how diet. yeah how they how yeah. they work how they eat it's all these things that god know god knows our bodies and our minds better than we do and he he gives us wisdom for that i reason. had another yeah. just another thought um was like I think the psalmists um, and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament speak to this kind of, I would call soul-crushing, piercing weight that is felt by a lot of people. Like the psalmists write about these things. Like I think David was depressed a lot of his life. And so he's, he's expressing those things to God. He says, God, I cry out to you from the depths, right? Pull me out of the miry clay. Rescue me with your strong right arm. And I think expressing that to God is a prayer, but also realizing that, man, the, the poetry speaks to that. There's, there's, there's beauty in what David has written because it expresses things that are deep within our soul that, that we need to get out. And songs and music all help that kind of stuff too. But the reading the scriptures and going to that and seeing David wrestle with those things, it's like, phew, it's powerful because it gives us hope. And, and the right words to say as prayers too. I think um, a lot of us know that when we have anxiety or depression, it's kind of like a spiral and it just gets like worse and worse and you kind of end up in this like very negative space. Um, I'm not saying this is a cure, but another um, way to think about it is just, um, just 
find joy in something. We talked about like exercise and stuff like that, but some of you have like other outlets that you enjoy. And I just encourage you to like try and get out of that mindset where you're just letting yourself kind of spiral and just go find something that you enjoy doing or even just kind of turning it around and starting like a gratitude journal or something like that where instead of thinking of all the things that aren't going right in your life, thinking about the things that are great in your life because even on a daily basis, you have a ton of things to be thankful for if you just um, sit and like think about it for a few minutes even before you go to bed. Just um, writing down like, oh my goodness, like this happened today or this was a positive note. And some days will be more than others. Um, and some days you'll have a really hard time even thinking of like one or two, but just encouraging you to um, look for the positive. There's a lot of negative around us, a lot of negative in the world that we're constantly just being barraged by. So um, try and just put yourself in those positive places and do something that gives you joy. I got one last thing, and I'm not going to bag on social media because I, I feel like it, it's fun and it's, it's an outlet, but at the same time, I went off of Instagram for like six months, and that was probably the least, it helped my depression. Like, going off social media helped me because then I wasn't always like seeing videos that are like, do more, be more, be the better you, and then seeing what all these other people are doing. The FOMO is real, even as adults, we have that. So, like... It, it, getting off social media is a, and the news, like I erased all my news apps off my phone and it, it helped because I'm like, Dude, I don't need, you know, to just eliminate the drama. And that helps a lot, whatever drama that is. Yeah, I think like our bodies weren't designed and our brains weren't designed to take in as much information as we have access to these days. And um, getting rid of some of those things might be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And again, um, so big things from this. You're not alone in feeling these things. Um, I don't think you're a bad Christian if you feel these things. Um, look at your body and your mind holistically, like how you're living your life. And again, sometimes stressful situations you can't control, right? School is stressful. Family relationships might be stressful. Um, but the Lord offers you peace. And um, know that the Bible, you know, in the Psalms and the wisdom literature, like we see all the time, um, this crying out to God and help in times of need. And I think some of those are emotional distresses, not just like chariots are coming after them, but um, yeah, so. All right, probably even more serious on it. Um, this is kind of more specific um, from a student. It says that self-harm has been a big issue I've come up in the past year, that has come up in the past year. What does the Bible say about self-harm, and what is some scripture that can help me uh, during a temptation to self-harm? Yeah. So first of all, um, thanks for saying this. Thanks for asking this question. And um, we want you to know, I think I've, I've mentioned it before, and I need to look up. You guys probably know, but um, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. What verse is that? You guys, you've, you've got to know, right? That's the scripture for you are fearfully. It's Psalm something. I, it just made me think of our talk in Tribes on Sunday morning, um, Genesis 126. Psalm 139. Okay. Yeah, cool. um, is like that we are created in the image of God. And so the first thought is like, well, first of all, if I'm, if I'm you know, self-harming, I'm created. Like, it has a lot to I go with that because it starts off with self-worth and knowing that you are worth something. And so that knowing that I am um, created in the image of God it, it helps to say, I am, I am God's creation. Like I said before, I have a purpose. And so um, that, that, that helps me in terms of that. Or that's a scripture that deals with that. But the, the Psalm 130, um, being fearfully and wonderfully made. I think Hillary and I were talking about this question at home and um, today. And we were saying, I don't know, you, you had some good thoughts on it. Hun. Why don't you share your thoughts? Because I'm going to stop talking. Um, so I myself have struggled with kind of different self-harm like during high school and stuff and um, a lot of it for me was to do with um, just the lack of control that I had in my own life and just feeling like um, I grew up in a pretty strict household and I just felt like I didn't really get to make a lot of decisions. Um, so I took some decisions into my own hands. And um, first of all, um, if this is you or if you are, I'm sure there's more than one person in here that struggles with this um, and self-harming, which could take a lot of different forms. There's a lot of different kinds out there. But um, one thing I would encourage you to do is just like tell somebody. Um, if you don't feel like you can tell your parents, 
um, tell a friend or a leader or somebody um, because the more that someone doesn't know about that, the more that um, Satan's going to use that just to take power away from you um, and is going to tempt you with that. So um, it's kind of that whole accountability piece, even with the depression and anxiety, is when someone knows, um, you are going to be held accountable for that, and they can ask you about it. And the more people are asking you about it, the less, I don't know, it just happens where you are thinking about it, and you know they know, so it's like you're not going to do it as much. Um, so I think just kind of realizing like the triggers because there's triggers that cause that um so just kind of trying to figure out what those are usually there's something in your life um it could be a sin it could be a trauma that you went through it could be um something that's going on with your family that you don't know how to deal with and that's how you're taking it out on yourself and trying to gain some control um so just kind of understanding what is causing that in you is um, a good place to start and then just being able to like talk through that with somebody um, will hopefully help you not feel like you have to kind of take that out on your own body in one way or another. Yeah, it's usually uh, um, cutting or any of those things are usually an, an outward expression of inward turmoil. So it's stuff that's going on inside, and so I, I can't deal with what's going on inside, and so I do this on the outside because that can express what I'm going through or feeling. And so I think those things, um, getting them out in the open and talking about them, whether it's something that's happened to you um, or something that you've done or something that was done to you, those things need to be confessed and out in the open because if they're not confessed and out in the open, and James uh, chapter 4 deals with confession of sin, and I'm not calling all of that that you might be dealing with. I'm not saying that you're, you, you've sinned and so you, you're cutting yourself or whatever. That might, might, might be a part of it. But I'm saying that we have to confess those things to one another, which is what Hillary's getting at and talking about accountability and getting those things out in the open and shedding light, God's light on whatever is going on and causing that inner turmoil that you're, that you're wrestling with. And, and having that out in the open, um, the enemy loves to just um, keep things secret um, because he's deceptive and he doesn't want us talking about those things. So the fact that you asked the question, like Noah said, thank you for asking the question. Please talk to someone and get those things out of what, what, what you're carrying and what you're holding on to. Um, I think something that is often linked with uh, feeling like self-harm is your outlet is also shame. And um, that does create a cycle of self-harm. I feel bad for shame, so I feel like I need to maybe punish myself for these actions. And something that I just want to encourage you with is um, if you are in Christ and Jesus has freed you, He's already paid the price and the cost for everything, for everything. And he loves you, and he's created you. And the sacrifice that he made on that cross was for you, and it's done. He says that it's finished, and that you are a new creation now, created in him, that he will grow for good works, that you will experience um, challenges in your life, yes, but that you now have hope and you have freedom in knowing that you are his child. And um, there's no need to punish yourself or to draw blood because he's already paid the ultimate sacrifice with his perfect blood and his perfect sacrifice that he's done for you. And there is freedom now in Jesus. And you can celebrate in knowing that you are his child and he will protect you. He's a good father and he will look after you. And that shame is only from the enemy. And it is only going to kill, steal, and destroy. And um, we can experience life and life abundantly in Jesus and knowing that his sacrifice was enough. And there's nothing that I could do to make his sacrifice more worthy. Like he already is. And he already did it. And he's good. And he's perfect. And he's done it. And we should celebrate knowing that. And remind our friends that when we fall into that space is like Jesus already paid the cost. He already paid the cost. It's done. Big time. And um, this is a place where 
Oh, sorry. This is a place where you can um, find freedom from some of those things. And um, thank you for asking the question. I would encourage this person who did ask this question um, to tell someone. Um, yeah. We got to remember our actions aren't just random things that happen. There's always a there's always a root to fruit relationship. There's a root in my heart that has taken hold, and there's the actions that I produce because of it. And so sometimes we need a lot of that root is um, whether it's feel like I can't be forgiven. Um, you you need to give that feeling up. You need to know that you are forgiven. Whether it's I feel like I don't have any control. Um, there's always a route, and so I mean, encourage you to, to dig deeper to think about what that could be for you. Um, all right, let's ask a few other ones. Um, these all came in. Well, first of all, thank you guys. A lot of questions. Won't be able to get to all of them. Super sorry. Um, this is an interesting one. Different topic. What does the Bible say about dating, and when should you start? I guess we should say the Bible actually doesn't say anything about dating as we know it as American teenagers. So let's just start off by saying that, really. Um, but the Bible says a lot about relationships. The Bible says a lot about how we should treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, first of all, if you're a student, listen to your parents. Yeah, round of applause. Yeah. And you're like, boo, no, you just tell me, like, be the cool youth pastor. No, listen to your parents. If you love your mom, I love my mom too. If your parents say don't date in high school and you're like, what? Uh, my relation, my, my encouragement to you is to listen to them and to obey them. Um, but there's a lot of maybe of you in the room where your parents just don't really care. They don't give you a lot of guidance. Maybe that question, maybe this is for you. So yeah, what does the Bible say about dating and how should we? When should we start? All looking at me. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know why we're all looking at Paul. Well, Paul's been jumping on him. I am not talking about this. Okay. <laughs> Vito. Sorry. No, we. I mean. Ah, he's uh, talking about it. <laughs> Tim. I don't. Oh gosh. Um, it's it's hard. Um, I would say there. Um, I don't know. It's it's difficult. We we obviously we have two. Uh, students that have come through the youth group here, and I think with um, I can't say anything. I'm sorry, I really can't say anything. Okay. Hillary, Hillary, we got this. We got this. Um, I'm not going to give parameters as far as like when and whatever. That's not a fair question, so I'm not going to answer that because I think everyone makes their own decision. Um, but what I will tell you is. Um, you have to be really careful when you date. Um, scripture doesn't really talk about dating, but at the same time, um, dating is um, the first part of on the journey to marriage. So if you are in a relationship with someone that you know that is not going to be even a thing that could occur in the future at all, there's no way chances are you should not be dating that person. I know that sounds really extreme and you're like, I'm literally a seventh grader and I'm not thinking about marriage and I'm dating someone. I totally understand that. Um, but in reality, you should not be dating anyone that you could not see yourself marrying. Um, and I will tell you that things that you see when you're dating um, and like issues that you have when you're dating only magnify when you get married. So also just be cautious of that as well. So things that bug you or like little things that you think are little, um, they become bigger when you get married. So if you have things that you can't handle when you're dating, just have a warning sign that you may want to rethink the marriage train for that too. I, I seeing a leader who is volunteering to share his thoughts, and I trust this man. So Tyler, she's going to come up and share an impromptu speech Hello. about dating. What could Hi, go I'm wrong? Tyler. Where my eighth grade boys at? Woo. Hey, so um, yeah, I didn't start dating until I was 22, and I married her. Um, for any of you guys out there who remember Sam Cassis, uh, he talked about this. He talked about this a lot. Um, the end result of dating, is, or the end goal of dating, is marriage. And like, if you're not dating to be married, then just like Hillary said, you shouldn't be dating. There, 
like, there were people that I was friends with in high school that, that people looked at us and were like, you guys must be dating, right? Like, aren't you dating? And it's like, no, we're just, we're just friends. Everything that, like, when I asked my now wife out on our first date, I sat her down and I said, I'm like 90% sure that I want to marry you this year. And, and that happened. And, and the reason I can Listen do that up, is- Listen seventh graders. The, the, <laughs> it's a the, great first line. But the, but the reason that I could do that, the reason that I could do that is because I was friends with her. I hung out with her in groups. I got to know her. There was no pressure. There was no social expectations on it. We were just hanging out with friends. And that's, and that's all it takes. That's, that's all you need to do. And you can learn everything you need to learn about a person to make that decision on whether or not they're somebody that you want to marry and that you can see yourself spending the rest of your life with by just being friends. And you wait, wait to actually date until you can see yourself being married. Because otherwise, just so many temptations come into play and so much pressure comes in. If you try and go on a one-on-one -on -one date with somebody that you don't really know that well, you're putting on a face. There's so many. There's so much pressure to like perform. When you're just hanging out with friends, it's you're relaxed and and you see who that other person truly is in a way that you don't get to experience if you date before you're ready. Big time. Yeah. I thought of something. I. Thank I you, Tyler. I, thanks, Tyler. I, my my thought was like. Um, I feel like by not dating, you're saving yourself from so much drama. Like, so much drama. It, is, it causes so much turmoil in your social life, in your school life, in your youth group life, whatever life. It just causes so much drama. If, because chances are, if you're dating somebody in eighth grade, you're not going to marry that person shocking yeah right and so that's definitely true right or even like sophomore junior like it it, does it doesn't it you don't know where your life is headed because you have so many yeah. decisions that you have to make in your future right and so that that relationship yes it is bringing you joy yes it is bringing you um gratification immediately like you feel so happy and giddy and all of those feelings that you feel whatever it is but it's also going to cause you a lot of pain and unnecessary drama because you know that this person, you're not going to marry this person like Tyler and Hillary are saying. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, nobody got time for that. Yeah, I think it can sound, first of all, if you, like, are dating in the room and, like, don't hear this as, like, we're coming from the top ropes and, like, you're inherently sinning. Like, if that's your decision, that's okay. I think it's really good to view this as a wisdom decision. Right. Because um, a lot of Christianity and a lot of scriptures, it's sin or not sin. Something like this is like wisdom. What's best? There's good and there's best. Yes. There's, there's good, there's okay things, and then there's the best thing, which we believe is... Um, for you, and if you, it would be marriage one day. That would be the best thing um, if you feel God is calling you to be married or if you feel like that might be in your future. Um, and I think, one, just like statistically, you're probably not going to marry this person. Um, two, statistically, there's probably going to be more harm than good. And so just take those into account um, and understand that God has good and, and great things for you. And also know that in high school, if there is someone you're interested in, Tyler pointed it out, I think there's something really powerful and really awesome about, you know, okay, maybe you want to say your boyfriend or girlfriend, but like the exclusivity that comes with that, I think is where young people get into some, some trouble. Um, there's sexual temptation, there is um, the temptation to like isolate like your best friends with like the lacrosse team for like four years and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I just wanna hang out with my girlfriend. And it's just like, that's not healthy. And I, you know, I've seen guys do that all the time and it's just not healthy. And um, so there doesn't need to be an isolating effect that comes with dating. And if there is, you gotta ask yourself, why? Is it because you wanna be alone? Why? Okay, I think we know where this is going. And um, yeah, we just don't need that. So, so true, that's yeah. good. Oh. All right, let's ask some more questions. Um, uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Leaders, we're going to scratch this next part that I talked about earlier. We're just going to keep doing this because I think this is cool. So um, there's a question here. 
that is about how do I schedule Bible time in my busy day? Hmm. Ooh, I'll go because I've not always been good at this. <laughs> uh, I used to be the kind of person that uh, would just like randomly, whenever I have time, I would read my Bible or like at night I would find something because I forgot to find time during the day to read my Bible. Um, and I'm still not perfect in this practice and Noah can attest to this, but we have recently uh, been making a intentional decision to wake up early. Like neither of us are generally speaking, early morning people. Like, we both tend to be night owls and are, like, good chilling at, like, 12 o'clock. I mean, not anymore, because now we're old. But for the most part, like, when I was in high school, I, like, never slept, ever. I just was always doing something, and I was busy all the time. And so it was, yeah, that was not even possible. But I will say, making the intentional sac intentional sacrifice to, like, literally wake up. What time do you guys wake up to, before you go to school? Six? You guys are already better than me. So, wow. Do I want to say wake up at five? I mean, I don't... <laughs> do yeah, it. I, I mean, they do say, like, some of the most successful people wake up at 5 a.m. But all that to say is, like, making an intentional sacrifice in your day, whether it's in the morning or it's at lunchtime or it's in the evening but making it a sacrifice, and in that sacrifice, using that time to read your word, I think is gonna be so much more helpful because, um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's conviction or just like the eagerness that you feel of like wanting to complete that and like spend time with the Lord is gonna start to become a regular rhythm and then you're gonna want to be with him more. You're gonna wanna spend more time with him. You're gonna want to not just only read at this one hour of the day, but then throughout the day and yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I think um, I mentioned earlier just attaching it. A simple way to start is just attaching it to a habit. And so, like, if you get up early or you get up in general, you eat breakfast. So just read your Bible at breakfast. Like, you have to eat, right? I mean, hopefully you eat something before you go to school. So do that. Um, find a time to sneak it in. Like, some of you aren't like, I'm, I'm not a good reader. So you say, okay, well... Get the Bible app on your phone and then have it read to you. That is an awesome way to get scripture into your daily routine. If you go on a walk, you have to walk your dog or you're on the bus going to school or anywhere driving to school. Listen to God's word that way. Let it marinate on you that way. That's, that's a habit that I've put into my life is just when I drive, I have uh, scripture on or uh, a book that I'm listening to about God. So that's, those are my things that have helped me. Adding it to a routine um, is a big success for me. Anyone else? Ultimately, uh, I'll say you, you do make time for what's important to you, right? So um, it, it may, I mean, all these practical things are really helpful and good, uh, but ultimately, you got to be asking, why is this not that important to me? And how can I find, how, how can I really understand the true value of being close to God uh, or hearing from God's word or understanding God's word? May, you know, and, and it could be sometimes you, it's not even the busyness. I heard that was the question. But ultimately, you will make time for what's busy for you. I think you know that instinctively. And so ultimately, you got to ask, push yourself and challenge yourself and question yourself. Like, do I really want to get to know God? And, or maybe it's something else. Like, I, I just feel intimidated by the Bible. You know, come to the academy. We're learning Bible study skills as we study the book of Jonah. You will become a little more confident or maybe a lot more confident in knowing how to open your Bible and understand what it says. And that may make you want to read it more. Um, so if that's the problem that, and not time, it's ultimately intimidation or ultimately, um, uh, you know, um, you know, having a lot of questions, and it makes you feel scared because you read things that you're like, I don't know the answer to that, and it makes me uncomfortable, some of the stuff that happens in that book. Okay, dig in, and, or do it with, read it with a friend. Uh, accountability, community can be a huge part of, of, re, of, of getting to know, uh, or getting in a good rhythm of reading the Bible and make it more enjoyable, and uh, then you actually see the value of it, and then you just naturally want to do it because you're like, I can't 
get through my day without reading the Bible because this is just something I, I really, really want to do and not I have to do. I know some of you have, we've talked about it before where you're like, I started reading the Bible and then I started reading, like I started in Genesis and then, and then it got weird. And then I, I started, then I was like, oh, I read numbers and then it got weird. And so like, I, I, just some place, practical places to start reading your Bible if that's a struggle because you're like, I don't get this because some of Old Testament is, is, is odd and we're not of that culture. So it's a, it's a big jump. So um, Mark is a great place to start. Um, the Psalms are a great place to start. Proverbs are a great place to start. Even if you just read a proverb a day, like that, just start small. Because sometimes we think, well, I got to read my Bible. And so if I don't read like 50 chapters, I'm not really reading it. No, You're, it's not meant to be digested that way. Okay, so just take small chunks and read for comprehension, read for understanding. What is God saying to me in this? And it will be more meaningful instead of just trying to get through and blast through a whole bunch of scripture. Just take it in, in, in those small doses because God's word is living and active and it will work in, that, in just those small chunks. Do you know what I'm saying? It, uh, yeah, so, and then add to that, so, yeah. I just encourage you um, to just not get into the guilt um, train either. Um, like if you don't read it one day, you're not a failure and just pick it up the next day. And if you don't pick it up the next day, try and pick it up the next day. Um, scripture reading um, is more for us than it is for God. God's not keeping like a tally chart of how many days we've done it. And he's not you know, he's not just condemning us because we haven't read the scripture. He gave us scripture and he gave us um, that instruction to enrich our lives for us. So we're all honestly like hurting ourselves by not reading it, um, not God. I mean, like, of course, like he wants to be in relationship with you, um, but ultimately that's for us um, more than it is for him. So don't get into that guilt thing where you feel bad about it because you're actually just hurting yourself. So just try to Pick it up each day, and if you don't do it, just, again, try the next day um, until you make it a habit. Yeah, and I just want, like, if you're not a reader, I mean, this has been a struggle for me, I feel like all my life, because I'm not a reader, but to find an alternative ways, kind of like what was mentioned, whether it's Audible or um, even um, content, like discussing scripture and unpacking it for you to help you understand certain parts. Big time. Yeah, okay, I think we will have time for one or two more, and then we will get to what I know you're excited for, which is chicken nuggets. But um, <coughs> this is a big question. I'm excited for this one. It says, why is Christianity the only way to life after death? It's a big one, big one. Yeah, so I think the question, why is, okay, why is Christianity the only way to life after death? Um, we have to address a few things. We have to address the reality of eternal life or eternal death. We have to address the reality of, uh, of Christianity. Um, it's a question that you guys are probably familiar with. It's a question that if you're in the public school system or just, have, or just a human being, um, you have heard the phrase, well, I think all roads will lead to God in the end, right? Okay, there's so many different religions, and some of them have some really early similarities from where they're from, and even then they're texts, like, aren't they kind of the same? Won't it all lead to the same place? Um, and again, a bigger topic than we can unpack in five minutes, but uh, I would say Christianity is um, incredibly unique. A lot of people say, oh, well, all religions are the same. It's just not, this is not true. Um, the belief system of Christ, the Son of God, being God himself, uh, being a substitutionary atonement for our sins, is not replicated in any other belief system. That is just a fact. Um, two, a lot of people like to look at the words of Christ and put their ideas to it, but we need to let the words of Christ speak for themselves. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That's a really, that's a really, a lot of people use that as an encouraging verse, and I think it is encouraging, but I think there's 
like heavy weight in those words too, because I think he's serious. I think Jesus is serious about that. He says, there's no other way to get to the Father except through me. And ultimately he proves that through his actions. Um, so first I would, know, I would note that there is a key distinction between um, the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Christianity and, and, and other religions. And um, the words of Jesus speak for themselves. And um, yeah, so I think those are two things to address. Um, why is it the only way to life isn't a great way to look at it. I think an encouraging thing is, can you believe we get to live life after death? Um, can you believe that God would let that happen? Could you believe that God would prepare a place for us? Those are questions that I think we should be asking ourselves as believers. Um, isn't it incredible that there even is a solution to sin in, you know, at all? And um, so... Those are my thoughts. I guess I just kind of took that answer, but yeah. Good, yeah. We're good on time. Yeah. End it? Yeah. All right. We got Thank nuggets outside for you guys. We love you guys. Let's just... Nuggies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is amazing. Just, uh, calm down, Landon. Yeah, that was so he good. I wanted, to, hey. I wanted to take a second to thank the leaders who are up here. Why don't you thank them as well? Bring it down. Oh. And um, also thank your small group leaders because they are praying for you on a regular basis and they're going to be people that you can talk to if you have more questions and know that we are always here for you if you have more questions. Like, come ask us. We would love to talk with you. Go eat nuggets. All right. Thank you, guys.